I can think of a major manufacturer that we work with that had redundant supply chain. Two factories were, were a couple miles apart in a tsunami zone. When there's a hurricane closing down a major port, what's the ripple effect and what's the financial impact on factory A, B, and C? You know the cost of closing an auto factory for an hour is millions of dollars, right? So how can you avoid those kind of outages? Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Krista Crum, Analyst Relations Lead at Esri, and I'll be your host for today. You just heard Brian Cross, Director of Professional Services at Esri, explain the importance of location intelligence in supply chain visibility. Today, manufacturers, governments, and the energy sector are using a powerful combination of cloud, IoT, and real-time data to prevent costly disruptions. Here, Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigate how location intelligence optimizes operations and drives growth. Hi, Brian, and welcome. So nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. Well, to put our conversation in context today, I would like to quote a recent McKinsey study. It indicates that there are important business gains derived from the strategic commitment to digital transformation. The study claims that the difference between those who successfully deploy technologies to drive this business transformation, those who don't, results in a fairly large 11% faster revenue growth difference and close to 8% greater profit growth. The study also indicates that only 15% of those surveyed are actually pursuing digital transformation strategically. Why is this so challenging? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question, uh, and it's certainly something that we see. It's been interesting to watch uh, uh, users who are moving through digital transformation in the geospatial area on sort of all fronts, business, uh, uh, government, energy sector, um, really go through this journey. And I have seen those kinds of challenges that you reference in the study, and then many people struggle, and it doesn't really have to do with the technology. It always comes back to people and strategy. So. One thing that I see is that organizations that are very deliberate about having a big vision and a North Star about what they need to achieve at a business level are much more capable of then digesting new capabilities in very purposeful and meaningful ways in bite-sized chunks to achieve real business outcomes. Uh, so that is one way to think about it, what we call a geospatial strategy, which is really being deliberate and thoughtful about the big picture vision. I think many of the stats you're quoting are people who are reacting to new trends in tech and just trying to think, well, I should be doing something with AI, but not really having any purpose approach to how they address that and tying it to real business outcomes. Some estimates place location as the most prevalent attribute of data today. Give us some examples of location data and why it's important after you explain what GIS and geospatial is. Sure. GIS is a technology and a science that has been around for 50 years now that is really all about mapping and understanding things in locations. So the land and things on top of the land and people. So that has been around for a long time. What we're talking about today is that GIS technology, which has been the domain of deep experts, is now exploding as a sense of intelligence and awareness that an entire organization can embrace without understanding the deep science and technology underneath the hood. So what are some of the foundational concepts in there? Well, some kinds of data I think of as the fabric on which everything operates. So some organizations are in the business of managing that spatial fabric. So you could think of a local government that manages land records and they have 
a cadaster or an ownership layer that is essential for them to manage. You can think about national mapping agencies that have the topographic map base or the nautical charting base for the ocean or the land. So those are maybe foundational. Maybe another example would be an energy company that has all of their leases and oil wells and assets, and that is their deep foundational content that is inherently spatial. So that's one layer, foundational fabric that everything runs on. The second types of spatial data are we could say operational layers. These are things that live on top. They often move and they often change. So the real thing about the cloud is you have organizations working in real time, in real locations, sharing information in lots of different capability areas that really can tie to business objectives. Everything happens somewhere. And this idea of the science of where is about all of those locations coming together so that you can analyze and make sense of the information in common models. The geospatial cloud is allowing it to come to life with all the current live activities that are happening in the world on top of it. So let me give you an example in business. So businesses use uh, the geospatial cloud to manage things like assets. Well, what are assets to a business? They're stores, they're goods in motion, they're fixed and moving assets. It's their whole supply chain, whether it's the current status or risks and vulnerability, IoT devices that are updating and changing all of the time. It allows a business to have a comprehensive single view of all of their assets in different states and do analytics and decision making in new ways and in real time that they've never been able to do before. Can you help us understand how do organizations prioritize from cloud to AI to IoT to big data to blockchains and of course geospatial? How do organizations need to understand and think about these technologies? Uh, so oftentimes we see organizations where you've got people going deep in the new tech and they're disconnected from well, what's at the heart of the business or the mission strategy that's being accomplished? What is essential is pairing the two. So building an understanding of the art of the possible with next generation technologies, but then very deliberately tying it to business objective A, business objective B, business objective C. If an organization is trying to do a better job of understanding uh, the transactions and history of something that has a spatial and time and place component. They need kind of a ledger to better manage that. Well, geo-blockchain might be a good answer, but sometimes the people who understand geo-blockchain don't understand the business problem of supply chain tracing and the fact that they could bring those two together. Then it becomes a fairly straightforward exercise of return on investment and big wins with low impact or maybe we'll do that first before we do a high effort, low impact job, right? So you work on initiatives that tie new tech to business problems, prioritize based on that. How do you see various functions from IT to various lines of business to data and analytics departments work together to adopt these transformational technologies and strategies? There's really, I think, two parts to that answer. Uh, one is that organizations that do something impactful, so if you think back to what I said about a strategy, oftentimes you take priorities against that strategy and you go do what I'll say is an initiative. Go get something done. You're going to solve a mobility problem. You're going to uh, increase safety and security in your organization. So there's an initiative. Those initiatives really need a couple different key roles. So one is uh, an executive sponsor who really works at the leadership level, who can, has the authority to assign budget, has the authority to move an organization around to get something done, and can continue to provide support through the uh, maybe the challenges that the teams often face in technology. The second is a champion, someone who's clearly enabled and empowered to get the work done. And then the third is a technical lead or technical leadership that maybe even comes from the top that helps ensure best practices and integration across an organization. 
a lot of times we see one person trying to wear at least two, if not three of those hats, or you have a team squirreling around doing something important, but there's no executive sponsor. So that's always something that we watch for. The second part to think about is organizations are getting more complex. So when we see people who are making really deep spatial impact with innovative business results-oriented projects, it used to be that they could work sort of in a silo. But now we have data scientists, we have knowledge workers, we have uh, people working in a much more integrated fashion. So part of strategic initiatives is also building consensus and building organizational awareness. And the current state of the technology allows initiatives to reach out to whole other parts of the organization. Sometimes we talk about engagements or systems of engagement. And it's really important that there's not just technical work, but education of the whole organization so that all of those stakeholders and experts like the data science community can learn how they plug in, benefit from, and extend the kind of work that's happening. What are some top initiatives you're seeing companies embarking on? Sure. Uh, a couple. One that I see many people prioritizing is enabling a mobile workforce. So there's lots of opportunities to improve productivity, safety, security, um, and basic operational effectiveness in workers that are in the field. And that takes really two formats. Traditionally, it's been outdoors. And you've got uh, maintenance crews or you've got road workers. Now we can enable all of those workers with live, real-time enterprise access on mobile devices that allows them to do their job really effectively and communicate in live, real-time as they work in the field. Disaster response, maintenance, power, all that. That's sort of dimension number one, and I see a lot of organizations making initiatives around that. The second is turning that same energy on indoor spaces. So we have knowledge workers, employees, uh, safety personnel, and everything working inside buildings, and for some reason we've accepted that they're blind and that we just go to work and we can no longer find things or navigate or work the same kind of way we do in sort of field operations. We're now seeing that explode as people realize that the workplace can be alive and connected and dynamic and actually mapped and analyzed in a spatial sense. Uh, another example that I see quite commonly is uh, what we would call common operating picture in an emergency management sense or situational awareness in a business sense. So an organization now having uh, things like a single pane of glass to understand where all of their assets are around the globe, whether it's optimizing their performance or understanding risks to those assets. So if you're a bank and you've got stores everywhere, what are large-scale disasters like a hurricane mean to your assets? What do small-scale situations, security concerns mean to your people? And what about your folks who are traveling around the world? So that kind of single pane of glass is an entirely new area that we see corporations saying, you know what, I need to do a completely new initiative here and really bring the whole organization together around a common map. Let me give you another example that's in a, a slightly different context. Uh, maybe it's, it's like supply chain, but if you think about logistics, the geospatial cloud actually supports just about every package delivered in the U.S. every day. The logistics companies have used roads and their network of delivery as a spatial fabric. But what's changing is much more advanced algorithms to optimize delivery. What's changing is delivery is no longer just an address on the street, it's actually there's a, there's a pit bull at this house and we need to get it to the back or we need to bring the parts to the other, the other area. We can also monitor, track, and react on the fly. So if a delivery truck is behind schedule, they can now pull up next to each other in a parking lot and move seven packages over and then divert. So that kind of thing never happened before. What else is happening that's on the cutting edge with the geospatial cloud? One thing utilities do is they manage a lot of energy and they manage a lot of private roads. So how does an organization like a utility who doesn't have Google Maps and Apple Maps know where it gets to, say, all of its wells if it's an oil company? 
Well, what they're doing now is using the GPS traces of their vehicles in motion and automatically building road networks on the fly and then taking those road networks and making them instantly routable and discoverable by all of their field workers. So all it takes is a certain number of vehicles to go somewhere, maybe a new well pad, for example, and suddenly it's on the map. And suddenly that field experience I talked about, it's pushed out as web services into everyone's phone, and they immediately can route and say, I need to get to well 27A that, by the way, was just added three days ago. Um, another interesting use case is in rail. Uh, I was actually talking to CSX Rail last week, and they were talking about their response in, in disasters. And in their command center during the hurricanes uh, in the southeast last year, for the first time, they brought spatial into the command center. And they were able to show how workers in the field were literally walking down the tracks. And on the dashboard in the command center, there were green dots moving down the track from two ends to meet in the middle. And then there was a key bridge. And at that bridge, the Army Corps had just recently flown a drone to get imagery of that trestle. The Army Corps and the CSX representatives in the field compared applications and registered their geospatial services. And suddenly, that drone imagery was able to show up on the CSX rail dashboard that was taken three minutes prior. What are some emerging and exciting applications that you see with the geospatial cloud? One area that I see that's going to be pretty interesting to watch is supply chain. So supply chain is something that mm, maybe a few years ago you think, of, well, of course I could have a map that shows you know where my trucks are moving my goods to my stores. But as you get into a more modern approach to that, there's so many more things you can do from active monitoring to predictive analysis about delays or hiccups to supply chain risk. Uh, I can think of a major manufacturer that we work with that had redundant supply chain. Two factories were, were a couple miles apart in a tsunami zone. When there's a hurricane closing down a major port, what's the ripple effect and what's the financial impact on factory A, B, and C? You know the cost of closing an auto factory for an hour is millions of dollars, right? So how can you avoid those kind of outages? Another area, and I, I'd say it's a bit of an overused term right now, but smart cities. What is a smart city and what are the use cases in the geospatial cloud? I, to me, a smart city is all, means it's all coming together on a living map. So we're, we're showing activities in real time. We're showing status, indicators, information needed by decision makers, responders, everyday workers in the city, citizens engaged in a dialogue with the city around real initiatives. That is really a powerful next generation model. But to me, again, smart city, what is it? It's about it all coming together in a common map. How hard is it for an organization to acquire the data it needs to build out these foundational fabrics and operational layers? Mm -hmm. uh, it really depends on the context. Some areas of data, especially the foundational fabric layers, have been significant investments for those organizations that manage those. So a utility has put a lot of time and money into making their uh, network viable and routable and traceable and uh, integrated and integral to their business. But in other contexts where um, the information is simpler, uh, store locations or um, assets that are uh, fixed and moving that are dots. That's really straightforward work to plug that in. It's about um, integrating it. And for the people who think about database, and back in the database years, you talk about the foreign key. And that was the field in the database that connected things together so you could link systems, all right? And it was a very powerful concept that opened up a lot of business opportunities. Geography is the ultimate foreign key. Everything happens somewhere, and that is the crux of what the geospatial cloud does, is it integrates everything from all kinds of systems and all business systems and layers in space and now in time. 
And by slicing through all that, you can do analytics and see patterns that you cannot see unless you're working in a map. A map is a fundamental language, and the analysis that you can do in a map, whether it's AI that comes up with a complex predictive surface, or it's the human brain, we are wired to see patterns differently that are laid out spatially. And that is really the magic of what you said, this fabric and all the operational layers combined in a geographic space. What kind of visualizations, maps you mentioned, are important? Do they have to be interactive? Do you see some sort of trending going on from dashboards to what is termed self-service analytics? Dashboards are exploding in our uh, user base as they look at live measurement and monitoring and operations that combine statistics with live geography updates. And we could talk more about that because it's quite a fascinating area. But I guess the point that I want to make is that uh, well-designed maps and applications have very focused purpose. Because the geospatial cloud organizes and harmonizes information, users can create all different kinds of applications that are fit for purpose out of the same DNA. With dashboards and visualizations created for a specific purpose, how do you maintain the authoritative view of that data today. Curation of the content going in is absolutely essential. So there's, there's no magic to that. That's governance and clear thinking about what layers coming from where, can I trust it, who owns it, not just the content, but also is the service robust and scalable and will it work under pressure. So all those things need to be thought about when you think about, well, who is this dashboard for? If it's a snowplow tracking dashboard for the citizens of Buffalo, then they have a different kind of a requirement, right? They need to know where the snowplows are, when their road's going to be cleared, when they need to move their cars. It's a little more straightforward, but you certainly don't want that feed going down in the middle of a snowstorm because your residents are going to be upset. So dashboards do need to be well-crafted and designed and thought through, and they're incredibly powerful when they are. So in your work, you deal a lot with leaders uh, in many industries. What do you feel are the issues causing them most concern and anxiety today? I see that leaders, they struggle with overload, uh, like we all do. And there's this inherent sense by leaders that they need to be doing more with the latest technology. And that can lead to a bit of paralysis. You know, I'm busy every day, but I'm hearing about geo-blockchain and IoT, and I think that they probably matter to my business, but I don't quite know how to put it all together. And, and I see successful leaders focusing less on the technology and more on two things, the business problems that they're trying to solve and really stepping back and you know, getting to a whiteboard and saying, this is the big vision. I, if I can improve employee productivity, I can manage the bottom line better or I can be more effective as a government organization. That might be one of their North Stars. All right, what are the five initiatives we can do to improve employee productivity? And then let's harness the power of technology. And going back to people, who are the people in my organization that can help me bring those two things together to really apply the new stuff to the problems that matter to me? The other thing that keeps people up at night, I think, is people. When we know that, by and large, technology initiatives that fail don't fail because of the technology. They fail because of people, organizations, and process. So I think if you ask a senior leader what's really keeping them up at night, it's their people, it's their workforce, and it's their ability to make them more effective at their job, or better support them, or better rally them to the company vision? How do we need to enable a workforce to be able to adapt to new technology and apply it in the right place at the right time? Well, it was a privilege to have you here on our podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. 
Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Brian Cross for explaining the business gains of integrating location technology. To learn more, download our free ebooks, Making Sense of Digital Transformation at esri.com forward slash where, Putting AI and Location Intelligence to Work at esri.com forward slash AI, and Making the Most of the Internet of Things at esri.com forward slash IoT.